Hello and welcome to Photographic Connections, the podcast where we create connection to self, nature and others through the art of photography. My name is Kim Grant, the founder of Photographic Connections and your host for this podcast. And today I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Emma Gray onto the podcast. Emma is an author and photographer based in Australia who developed a connection to photography following the sudden passing of her husband, Jeff. She shares how photography has really helped her deal with her grief and reconnect her with the world around her. We also speak about how photography and writing can be incredibly healing tools to tap into when we're going through challenging times. And she shares why macro photography and photographing the Southern Lights are some of her favorite things to photograph. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Emma Gray. Hi Emma, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast this week. I want to say a, a huge thank you to, to some of your team who reached out to me um, as part of, of your writing work and told me your story. And I was uh, really taken aback by, I guess, the life experiences you've been through in, in recent times and how that's led you to develop this incredibly deep connection with photography to, to help you through grief. So I thought it'd be a really good place there to start if you were to share with the listeners, you know, what, what is your story and how did it lead you to get into photography? Mm. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Um, talking about some of my favourite topics, I love, I love talking about photography, but... I did come to this through the loss of my husband. So my husband, Jeff, passed away in 2016 unexpectedly. He had a heart attack. And, of course, it was it was just an immense shock um, to our family. I was 42 at the time. I had a little five-year-old son and two daughters from my, from my previous marriage. And we found ourselves just completely adrift and... Um, I remember going for a walk with a friend about six weeks after Jeff died and we were walking in this beautiful location. There was a lake, it was springtime, there were blossoms out on the trees, there was the sun sort of shining on the water. And I remember looking at this scene in front of me and thinking, I can see with my eyes that what I'm looking at is beautiful sort of intellectually, but I'm not feeling it at all. I'm not feeling anything at all in my heart. And I remember thinking I can either not go for these walks and not look at the world until I you know, feel differently, or I can just continue to show up in the world regardless and hope that sometime my heart's going to catch up again and that I will feel this sense of love for nature and, um, you know, beautiful scenery again. And so I just kept showing up and I guess... It, um, it was really not until the pandemic that I started taking more of an interest at first just with iPhone photography um, and I would go for these walks. We were allowed to sort of get out once a day and go for a one-hour walk and I would do that and I started to really notice things. I think when you don't have the freedom to go for walks and see the world as much, then it becomes more precious and so I was taking a lot of photos on these walks and um, and then get it got into the the editing process as well and then eventually upgraded to um, a Fuji camera and um, and a macro lens in particular which then made me fall even more in love with just the minute details of things and I realized that you know 
by a couple of years after Jeff died, I'd be there sort of in the middle of winter lying on the ground taking photos of frost on blades of grass and that sort of thing. And I thought, not only have I fallen in love with the world again, but I've, I've, I've gone sort of this extra dimension with it um, in a way that I don't think I ever would have, have had had I not been through that, that tragedy and those hardships. Yeah, it's, it's, it's clear that, that photography has had such a, a profound impact on, on you throughout this period and in a very, very positive way. And I love that it's allowed you in many ways to open up your heart again. You know, grief is such a, a difficult thing to, to process and, and to go through. It's something, you know, as human beings that we all have to, to face at some point in our life. And it's, it's trying to find a way, isn't it, of, of reconnecting with the world and finding a way of, of finding sort of love for, for things again. And it's clear that photography gave you that, which is, is beautiful because I'm, I'm finding that creativity especially can be so healing in, in these times. And I guess what was your relationship like with nature um, before, before um, Jeff's passing? Hmm. I've always loved walking. I live in Australia, as you can probably tell from my accent, and I've always loved walking in, you know, going for bush walks. And I've loved going to the beach in particular. Um, Whenever I visit the beach, I love to get out at sunrise and and take photos um, and sunsets. Um, But something that I've really, that's really taken my fancy since I took up photography is that I realised that we could capture the aurora australis, the southern lights, from only about 15 minutes from my house, which was, you know, it's been, I've lived here, I'm turning 50 next month, so I've lived here 50 years and didn't realise this. And um, so I've now managed to to capture that scene, um, well, you know, 10 or more times, which is just magical. It's just an extraordinary, you know, extra layer to observing the world, to see it at night, but then to see the aurora, just stunning. Yes, it's incredible. I, I live in a part of the world where we can see the, the northern lights and it's, it's fascinating because, you know, until... Um, I guess kind of 10 years ago people weren't really aware of it here and suddenly people started to realize oh my gosh you can see this beauty from almost your doorstep you know you just go 10 minutes down the road and you're at this beach and they've got the the northern lights um, above you and it's the most awe-inspiring experience and I love that you've managed to have that connection where you are as well and that you know it's opened your eyes up to to what's available on your doorstep and I believe you've got a, a new novel coming out called the the last love note and I believe your main character um, she has a relationship with the, the Aurora as well, doesn't she? Yes, she does. Um, I found as a writer that that once Jeff died, I was only going to be able to make my way through this this grief in words and writing. And it's almost it was almost that I wouldn't understand how I felt until I'd taken the time to write about it and to get it out onto a page. And I started by just writing sort of articles and about our experience and and actually a lot of social media posts where I would write about something that had happened that day and and then my friends would sort of all pile on with support and and would talk about their grief as well and I realized how mutually supportive that environment could be but eventually I realized I couldn't possibly encapsulate everything I was experiencing in in an article or a Facebook post it had to be a book 
And um, so there is a lot of me in the character of Kate, um, who is a, a woman who loses her husband as well in her in midlife. She's about forty, so a little bit younger. And um, it's the story of her processing her husband's death while she's falling in love again. That part of the story is entirely fictional, unfortunately for me. But um, but I did have a lot of um, fun coming up with that storyline. But I, I found that she was not only an aspiring writer herself, but she also fell in love with photography. And I think there's always a big part of, of most authors in their characters. And, um, and so I had a lot of, of fun writing her. But I've also, I'm writing another book now where photography plays an even bigger role, um, which is, was so much fun. I think I've learned so much more about photography myself that I feel more qualified to write about it now. Yeah, brilliant. I, I love that. I'm always fascinated by how writers put, you know, create characters, especially, you know, in the fictional world of, of novels and, and things. I, I, I love it because some people, of course, bring in all their life experience and some of the characters are based on, on many of the things they've experienced, like, you know, what, what you're describing here. And others may have interests and in things and create, you know, completely fictional characters from a place of fantasy. But I love that that writing has been a really uh, almost therapeutic thing for you as well you know of course you make a living out of your writing and, and being an author and but you're also using it as a tool as a, like a therapeutic means for you as well and tying that in as well with photography so you finding that you know photography and writing of course for you are going hand in hand just now but how do you think it how do you think that's really helped you like on a more deeper level I guess with everything you've been through? Mm. It's certainly been a very cathartic process. Um, I feel as though writing takes a long time. Photography is very immediate and the the results of the photography are instant. And while you may go and process the images, it it is is almost like a dopamine hit to go out with the camera and take photos. I've noticed that um, if ever I... Am, am stressed and feeling a lot of pressure. If I haven't been out with the camera in a while, then that's often part of the problem and that's often the solution. So just to go out for a walk with the camera for you know half an hour, even if I only make it across the road into the park, um, can really help to just transport me to another place. And I remember a couple of times during the pandemic where I would be out with the camera and so engrossed in the process of taking photos that... I would go to get back in the car and think, oh, that's right, we're in this situation around the world. You know, I'd completely forgotten um, not only what the world was going through but what our family was going through as well. And so it's just been a beautiful distraction. Um, the writing has been incredibly cathartic, not just for me actually but for a lot of readers. The, the book has already been published in Australia and it's coming out in the US in November this year and um, I've had so many beautiful conversations with other people who've gone through loss or, or lost a partner and who've been able to then talk about it because I just don't think we talk about grief enough um, and, and that makes it really hard when it happens to you and you don't understand you know, how to cope with it or what to do and, and people blunder through conversations a lot of the time. So to have a character who experiences this um, 
not only helped me articulate what I was feeling, but helped to provoke some really great conversations with readers. You know, it's it's so lovely when somebody's uh, pain in many ways can be created into something that then helps other people. You know, you've described so beautifully there how your grief and you writing about it and creating, you know, these these wonderful stories has, you know, like you say, gone on and, and helped other people. And it's opening up that conversation. And I notice that in my work as well. I create YouTube videos. I've got this podcast. Um, I'm trying to be more and more open about my own process in life. And you find that it does. It starts to create conversations or people start to to be more open to the things that they're going through and I think we we need more more like that the more open people can be in sharing what they're going through and I guess transmuting it into a creative form when we put something into creative forms that's when it really touches other people's hearts I find and it's beautiful that you've you've had that experience you know you're not just a writer you're also helping so many people Yes, I think that's true. And I think we all feel that even when we, you know, visit an art gallery or read poetry or read other people's novels, when we watch movies, look at particular photos, um, we feel something and it moves us. And, um, and we all have different experiences with each of those things. So I think, you know, part of the thing when you're a creator is that you need to accept that it's not for everyone. And, um, and I think we know that instinctively because we don't love everything that we watch or listen to or look at. Um, but when something really um, resonates with us, it's just a beautiful thing because you feel like you're not alone, that somebody else understands how you feel about the world or, you, or something will open your eyes to an aspect of being human that you didn't necessarily understand before. Definitely. And writing is such a powerful tool. I, I love to say that, you know, every single one of us has got a story in us, you know, whether it's our own personal story or whether it's something we can create um, from a fictional perspective. It's like we all have stories within us that we can create and or tell and, and share with others. And that healing impact, I love the the connection between creativity and healing, you know, like we've just spoke there, healing for you almost in many ways, but healing for others. It's like, I don't feel like, for me, I'm finding I don't feel like the power of creativity is spoken about enough. I think when people are going through difficult times where maybe told, you know, the power of, of you know, community or, or going to speak to somebody like a therapist, but we're not always told, how do we move that energy, that emotion through our bodies? And often it's creativity can, and movement can be some of the most powerful ways of doing that. You know, you've certainly felt that, haven't you? Yes, definitely. It's It's almost like we need to find a way to get the feelings out of our bodies into something else. And whether that is through gardening or cooking or writing or painting or making music or art, um, there's just something incredible about taking how you feel and turning it into something else. Um, I think that I've often thought I don't know how people get through these experiences if there's not if they don't have access to some way of expressing how they're feeling um and and you know I just feel incredibly lucky that I that I have these these two loves writing and photography that help me to get it out of my head and either onto a page or into a photo yeah I guess going back to photography there I mean did you have any interest in photography at all before before Jeff's passing I think I did 
I, I always I, I look back now on family holidays that we took when we when I was younger and um, I realized I was always the one taking the photos and my dad I noticed now he's 91 and to this day he's always got the his, his just his little digital camera with him but he always used to have different cameras and video cameras and so I grew up around a lot of cameras and um, I just think, when I first got the, you know, the big camera after the iPhone photography, I, I didn't know how to use it. And, uh, you know, that, that experience, I don't know if you remember how frustrating it was when you first got a real camera and had to work out the exposure triangle and all that sort of stuff. And and I remember thinking, I really am so in love with the whole notion of getting beautiful images that I have to conquer this. And so it sort of, it was one of those things that I did through various YouTube tutorials and courses and that sort of thing um and it was there was this huge learning curve in the middle of it that just was so worthwhile pushing through to the point where somebody another photographer said to me um you know you will reach a point where this is all instinctive and you don't have to think you know about what's this button for how do I turn you know what will happen if I turn it this way and that moment when you realise you haven't been thinking about the technicalities of how to use the camera, but you're just in the image, I think that's such a magical, you know, part, magical step to reach as a, as a photographer um, because I think there's the whole art of it. There's the, you know, the making up of the image itself and what's in the foreground and what's in the background and all of that. Um, but then there's this technical side that can be so bamboozling that it can put people off. And like anything, I think it's worth pushing through to get to the side where where the camera is almost irrelevant. It's just you and whatever you're taking photos of and it's in the middle somewhere yeah. doing its job. I love that you've shared that because I don't think enough people speak enough about the the trials and tribulations of beginning photography it's not always the easiest of things and I think nowadays with smartphones we get that instant reward sometimes because the, the smartphone does so much for us and when we then go up to using a you know a proper camera we it can be quite a, a difficult transition and there is a lot to learn and I think some people are put off by that and they, they give up quite soon but I love that you pushed through it and you were so determined to to get to the stage where you were able to create images that you were happy with and I love that you spoke there about getting past the technicalities and suddenly you were just in the image you were just doing it without really thinking about it and that's the most beautiful thing and that's something I struggle with in my work if I'm asked about the technicalities because I kind of don't feel like I think about them at all anymore and I've never been a technical minded person so for me it's just all about that feeling and that emotion and just channeling that through photography and the things that I learned way back in the beginning um, that I just don't really think about now. But it proves in your story and what I've just shared as well that, you know, if you put in that time and effort in the beginning and push through those initial struggles and learning technicalities, then the world's your oyster. It's incredible. Yes, I, I think... Um... I think being a writer can sort of prepared me for that trial and error because there's a lot of failure and persistence in writing. There's a lot of rejection of, of your work and, and that's just par for the course when you're a writer. Um, and I think that stands me in good stead in a lot of things in life, whether it's learning how to use a camera, um, persisting through tragedy and grief, um, any new job or new um, step up in a career in any way. I think... We all have to get used to being sort of beginners and being 
a bit hopeless at things at first um, because there's very few things in life where we walk in and we're instant experts, you know, if anything, that we're instantly amazing at. Um, And even when you do reach a certain level of expertise, there's always more to learn. So that sort of open-minded perspective where you're happy to fail or you're, you're, you know, embracing of this learning curve, I think is just so crucial. Um, And it's, I've noticed it with different types of photography too, to move to the macro photography for the first time, that was an entirely new ball game. And then astrophotography, again, something different. And I've come to love that feeling of, of being new and inexperienced. Um, And it's the same with other hobbies. I think, you know, it can be the thing that puts people off if they want to sort of take up painting or, or something else and they their first attempt is just you know what you want to achieve but there's this huge gap between what you want to produce and what you are producing and that's the hardest part is pushing through that and um, it's just such a, an, a crucial part of the journey that we're on as creatives. 100%. I, I spoke to, to a lady called Todd Jen on the podcast a few recently, um, and she said that she's become a, a master in failure. You know, it's something that a lot of people seem to be so afraid of, but you have to fail or perceived failures. I, I don't think there's any such thing as failures or mistakes. I see it all as learning opportunities, but there is this huge fear of failure and people are afraid to start things because, you know, you're not going to be good in the beginning, as, as you rightly said, and it takes time. But I think anything in life that's worth achieving takes that time and that persistence and and that trial and error and I love that you've you've shared that there and a few times now you've spoken about your love for macro and astro so I wondered if we could delve into both of those worlds starting with macro what is it that you love so much about macro how does it make you feel and yeah why do you think you love it so much um I think what it is about macro is I I didn't realise before I took up macro photography just the world at our feet or the world underneath our feet Um, and just the goings-on in a tiny, tiny sort of part of um, the ground outside our, our, you know, in our garden, for example. I started off, I think, taking photos of bees, buzzing, I think it must have been spring, so it was a lot of blossoms and flowers and um, bees buzzing around in flowers and then in winter, I re- that's when I really fell for it because I, I was taking photos of frost particles and um, droplets of dew on, on blades of grass. And, um, and I realised I could sit in one place and be sitting there for two hours and, and time would just go and I wouldn't have moved and I would have found this entire universe that that I hadn't even thought existed. And I think there's something about that and then about the astrophotography as well that is about perspective and it just sort of shows us there's some sort of comfort that I get out of thinking all of this is going on um, and and we get so preoccupied in our lives and in all our challenges and in, you know, the, the family life and the housework and, you know, earning an income and worrying about the world and and yet all of this is going on there and we can get lost in this tiny, tiny little part of the world and it kind of helps to take you out of where you are and give you a different perspective. And it's the same when you look at the stars. You know, it's 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 you get this sense that there is just so much more out there beyond our own little experience. Definitely. 
And it's, they're two polar opposites as well, isn't it? Macro is like looking at this tiny little world of all these little things that you normally wouldn't even think were there. And then when you look up at the stars, it's like this huge expansion, like, wow, I am the one actually that's a really small, tiny thing in this huge universe. Do you feel a, a difference in emotion when you're looking at both the both the different subjects? I think so. I think I, I get more lost in the macro photography and I forget, you know, anything else that's going on in life when I'm under the stars I think I am still more present in the sort of the 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 rest of my life um I've always loved looking at the stars you know even without a camera um but what I love now is particularly the the aurora photography just the miracle of it all you know it's just so magical and um and I actually had a beautiful experience earlier this year when I was out along the road. I remember when I first started trying to capture the aurora, I would, I didn't really know how to use the camera was one problem. I would, I would go out in the dark on a country road and then I'd get spooked and have to race home <laughs> because I was just sort of all on my own. And then um, eventually I got it all together and managed to capture it. But I was on my own and there was a part of me that wished there was somebody else there because I just wanted to turn to someone and say, look at that, you know, I've, this is incredible. And then um, earlier this year, I was out there on this particular stretch of road and had mentioned this on on a Facebook group for photographers locally. And next thing, somebody came along and part of me was worried, who is this? You know, um, you know, you know how it is when you're out in the middle of nowhere. And um, and then I heard a voice from the dark say, is that you, Emma? And it was a voice I didn't know. And it was another photographer, a guy who um, is in this group and he had never caught the aurora before even though he's actually a professional photographer and so it was just one of those brilliant nights where it was just the the best one it was the best one I've ever seen we were getting the beams we were getting everything and it was just beautiful pinks and purples and the southern aurora is is quite pink and purple and orange compared with the northern lights and um and the two of us just stood there and cried and it was a beautiful moment of being human with a complete stranger who I only had, you know, had a couple of comments with. Um, and I don't think either of us are ever going to forget the the power of that night. And I, I sometimes think about when I'm out there about the fact that a lot, of the, a lot of the other nights were kind of on the couch watching Netflix and, you know, just having our normal evenings. And there's so much that we miss um, it's that same feeling when when you see a beautiful sunrise and think about all the times you sleep in and miss it. Um, there's just such opportunity for us to to engage with things that are so m- much bigger than us and beyond um, beyond Netflix. Although I do love watching TV as well. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's something I've become so aware of is, you know, when I'm out in the evenings, I mean, even I found this this summer, you know, in, in Scotland, I've just been out walking in the evenings around town and there's hardly anybody out. You just see the odd dog walker because everybody's like inside watching TVs and films. And of course, they, they play their part. But I just it saddens me sometimes because I'm walking around just before sunset, looking at these gorgeous clouds, these gorgeous colours, the birds flying around, all the, the little insects and the flowers that have been out this summer and I'm thinking everybody's missing this and I'm feeling so alive and in awe right now and they're I don't know filling themselves with a lot of maybe adrenaline and all that kind of stuff watching tv and yeah I I love that that 
we I guess have this tool that helps us to connect with that because it's something I feel is is really missing in the world at the moment where I think so many people are more disconnected I mean you know we are we're more disconnected from nature than than ever before and I think photography gives us that tool to give us the the push and the incentive to go out you know seeing the the southern or northern lights is incredible but actually when you can create an image of it it gives you more of an incentive to go out because you have this souvenir along with your memories to take home with you and it's um it's so beautiful isn't it it really is and i notice it too when i'm traveling and now that I am a photographer, I, I actually want to go and redo every holiday I've ever taken in my life and, and do it as a photographer. <laughs> I just feel like I would see it all so differently. You know, it, it's, it's – and, in fact, I'm just back from a, a week in America um, as part of sort of the pre-launch activities for my book and I was mainly in L.A. And, and even walking around L.A., I've been there once before, you know, about 30 years ago – and I saw it so differently this time, just because I had a camera in my hand. And I was on the beach down at the Santa Monica Pier, and a young guy who's a uni sort of uni student age came over and said, "You know, what camera are you using?" And he was there with his camera, and we struck up this beautiful conversation and just watched the sunset and took photos together. And and I thought that's a kind of interaction out in the world that you wouldn't have if you weren't a photographer because you can stand there and watch a sunset but you're unlikely to start talking to the person beside you but when you're there with this shared common interest it just opens up and now we follow each other's photos on Instagram and um, you know talked about various things that we've taken photos of and we were helping each other with the technical stuff and um, so I think in addition to the way that it fills our soul when we're walking around, I think there's there's a beautiful relationship between photographers that um, that I I never had before that I'm loving. Wow, it is amazing. I I am finding photography does bring people together. You know, especially I think when when we're out there, so many people that do photography, their partners and friends aren't necessarily interested in it, and they can get quite bored, and they don't want to be hanging around while we're taking images. But it's it's so, it's so lovely when we are out there and we meet somebody else who's on a similar wavelength to us, and we can share that experience and meet new people and and have these connections. And I love that you spoke there about how photography has given you a different perspective. You know, you want to go back to all these places and see them again it's something I spoke about with somebody a few weeks ago actually is it almost reconnects us with our childlike wonder because as adults we kind of are stuck in this one almost vision and then we start photography again we're suddenly like wow oh my gosh and it's some sometimes for some people it's something they've not felt since they were a child and we're reconnecting with that and we're getting that new perspective and you know going back to your story and what we spoke about in the beginning that change of perspective sometimes when we're dealing with grief can be so critical to us um, kind of moving through that and, and beginning to, to cope with, with life, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think that it, I think we notice more when we are photographers and writers, we notice more about the world. Um, we're constantly looking at things from different angles and we can see that if we just step aside over here and look at the same scene from over here, then it's a completely different picture. And I think that's one of the lessons that photography can give us when we're struggling with something very difficult in our lives. Um, it's also just such a beautiful distraction. And I think that no matter what we're going through, it's vitally important that we find something that we can get lost in. 
and um, it's that sense of of not you know time passing and not being aware of it and um, just that if you can find anything that can distract you enough to forget for a moment the hard stuff that you're going through I think you should grasp onto it and go towards it I think that a lot of the time people worry about how it might look if they are seen to be enjoying themselves when they're going through loss for example Um, but having lost um, both my husband and my mum I now see that life is short and that if if, we're going to go through these hard times then um, any opportunity we have for some some little slice of beauty in our lives um, is something we should gravitate towards. Mm, definitely. And I always see grief as like a wave. It's like you can be really low and then suddenly you feel this this high and like you say we can sometimes feel guilty for that but it's almost like something's released or we have a memory or or something you know some beauty comes from something and then you know obviously you know you're back down again and it's like learning to ride these waves and and I think learning for us all to to be okay that you know we are going to be up and down and that's part of the emotional roller coaster of dealing with these challenging times we're not it's it's so difficult I think to constantly stay in that low point it's like we have to yeah ride those waves and sometimes the creativity whether it's you know photography writing poetry painting it, it gives us that opportunity to ride the waves with the emotions as they come and go it does. And I, I think one of the best analogies I heard about grief was was the waves one. And at first when something like that happens, it's as if you are just sort of drowning in, in, in it, the grief all the time. And and then after a while, there are waves and then there's a, a sort of calm patch in the middle. And at first the waves come thick and fast and you're just constantly battling, you know, you've just got through one wave, you're battling the next one. But after time passes um, the waves get further apart and they still can dump you completely in the deepest part of your grief even years later I'm seven years on and it can still happen Um, but the the wave passes faster and you find that you can recover from it more quickly and then there's further that the waves are further apart and I think that's that's how it changes over time for a lot of people Um, but yes those uh, creative pursuits. I think when we can take something and produce something out of it, it's very different from receiving. And we do a lot of receiving when we're reading or watching movies or looking at other people's creative outputs and listening to music. But there's nothing quite like us producing something that's come from within. And I think it's that lovely, um, I think to me it's been important to take the tragedy I've been through and turn it into something meaningful and beautiful. I think that has been part of how I've coped all along. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I've got a friend who writes poetry and she's shared with me once, you know, that some of the most profound poems she ever wrote was when she was dealing with, you know, some of the hardest grief in her life. And it gave her that opportunity to write how she was feeling and transmute it into something and, um, yeah, really, really powerful work. And I find the same with songs, you know, especially more sadder songs. It's like they really affect, not affect us, but they like we respond to them on a much deeper level because they come from that place of, of deep, deep emotion. Um, I'd love to to ask you, really, what, what got you into writing? You know, is that that's something you were interested in from a very young age? Yes, I've always identified as a writer. I remember um, the summer I turned 14, um, being introduced to Anne of Green Gables by my 
two aunties and my mum on Christ- when, during the Christmas holidays and, um, of course, Christmas and summer go together down here in the Southern Hemisphere. And, um, and I just remember identifying not only with Anne and, you know, the romantic side of her personality and all of that, but the fact that she was a writer and, and had this dream. And I remember going and getting a notebook and pen from the local news agency and then spent the rest of the summer holidays for weeks on end trying to write a novel at 14. It was terrible, but it was it was this sudden desire to get it all out onto the page, and I've been writing ever since. And um, it's... I, and I, I sort of thought at the time then nothing of it, and I said then I realised my sister, who was also loving Anne, um, certainly didn't want to spend her, her whole holidays writing a story. And I think I often say to people who struggle to, to sort of admit that they're writers because they feel like they can't have that label until they've been published, I often say, you know, you're either a writer or you're not. If, if you're thinking about stories and writing, spending time writing them, your spare time, writing them down, you are a writer. And I guess it's the same with photography, that we don't have to be a professional photographer to identify as a photographer. And we don't even have to have a, a you know, a, a, a camera. We can be using our phone camera and we're still photographers. You know, um, that sometimes is a bit of a controversial thing to say, but I, I think it's about the perspective and, and it's about how you feel about the activity, whether it's writing or art or photography whatever it is it's the love for it that makes you that person definitely and I think it's empowering when you say that I am a writer it almost makes you feel I am a writer do you know what I can write something and I can do this and or you know I am a photographer do you know what yes I am I go out and take photographs and I'm getting better at it and who knows where that will lead to it's um yeah it just empowers you because it's like you're embodying what it actually means and it keeps you going with it and identifying with it and yeah, I love that you've had that connection with writing from a young age. I've had this dream for years of of writing a book, but I, it's just, um, I think it's, for me, I'm finding it to be a bit of a minefield, but I guess there's so many more opportunities nowadays, isn't there? Because you don't always have to go down the publication route through publishers. You can, of course, do a lot of self-publishing in that as well. So what was your process of getting your first book published? There's there are so many different forms of writing and, and outlets for writing, long form and short form. There's traditional publishing. There's self publishing. Um, I think this is the this is the time in history where we've had more opportunity to be writers than we ever have had, and um, blogging. You know, even posting online on social media is a form of writing, um, and I think I think it's amazing the opportunities we've got to express ourselves and to engage with other people as well in words and I think even you know podcasting is a form of of expression that's very similar um so it's just it's just words it's just thoughts and words you know it, it I think we go through school and we sort of can get a bit trapped in I've got to construct the perfect sentence or this has to be literary fiction um when really it's just about finding your voice and writing the way you speak and writing from the heart. Mm, yeah, definitely. That's that's so empowering to share there, I think, just the, the idea that, you know, we could be writers in so many different forms and so many different ways. And yeah, it just really shows that the opportunities out there just now, definitely. And, and um, yeah, I just I just love that you've managed to go on and, and live your dream in many ways and, and get some of these, your experiences written into these beautiful 
uh, you know, fictional novels, and then they're they're going out there and being published. And I love you just been to LA, and you know, you're getting ready for the launch over there. It's it's exciting when you see somebody who's got such a deep passion in something to then be able to go out there and and fully live the experience. It's lovely. Yeah, it is. I love it, uh, and I always say. Um, there's, you know how people get really afraid of, I guess when you, you grow up and you, you end up working and you've got kids or, or, you know, you've got other responsibilities and you think, I don't remember who I am anymore. I, I don't have a hobby or, you know, what's my passion? There's this whole thing about finding your passion and that can be really confronting. And I think, um, the author Elizabeth Gilbert said it really well when she said it to sort of drop this idea that we've got to find our passion and just start following our curiosity and seeing where things lead. And I love that because it's sort of a lighter approach to this notion of having to discover, uh, you know, whatever we might love. And, you know, it means that we might go down some paths and think, well, that was sort of fun, but actually it's not really what I want to do. And I certainly, before I discovered photography, I remember trying watercolour painting and zen tangling, which was that sort of intricate drawing of little patterns over and over again, which was quite meditative. And um, I went to all these different art classes and I knew that I was searching for something and it wasn't until I found the camera and found, you know, what it feels like to, to explore all these different types of photography that I realised this is the one and that's the one that's stuck um, and that I, that I, you know, would consider myself now a, um, a photographer. And so I think however we reach this, however we get there, it's just about creativity and, and exploring things and also this whole notion that you don't have to be paid for whatever the creative outlet is for it to be sort of justified. I think... There's this whole thing about side gigs and side hustles and making everything, you know, making everything commercialised that puts a lot of pressure on us that we don't necessarily need. A couple of times I've been asked to, you know, do do wedding photography and I've said, it's not my thing. I I don't want to... um, have to feel like I need to sort of be a certain level of professionalism with this I just want to keep it as something that I enjoy and love you know in my own time that's so beautiful and you hear so much about people who who pursue their their passions and turn them into careers and then they lose the passion for it so yeah it's about working out I think isn't it about what your real direction is and and just seeing you know some things are just for play they're just for fun they're just our outlet and we all need that out with you know what we do day to day so I love that you know writing has become your wonderful career and then photography is just like your own sort of introspective time where you can get away from things and just just connect so yeah beautiful Emma thank you so much for your time today it's been so lovely to speak with you and there's so much in this conversation that I think will be so inspiring for for many people listening and if people have resonated with what you've said today and they'd like to to connect with you where can people go to to find you or or your books um, they could go to uh, Zibi Books in America. So just look up uh, zibimedia.com and they'll find The Last Love Note. And I've got a website, emmagray.com.au, and it's grey with an E-Y. Um, or online on Facebook, it's Emma Gray Author and on Instagram. And also I've got Emma Gray Photography on Instagram. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Emma. It's been an absolute pleasure to connect with you. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. It's been lovely. I've really enjoyed it. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. It really does mean the world to me. If you'd like to get further involved with the Photographic Connections community, you can do so at photographicconnections.com. And now that this podcast has come to an end, there's only one thing left for you to do. It's time to pick up your camera and head outdoors. There's so many incredible photographic opportunities just waiting for you to discover.